I even told you this. He's so weird with his food bowl sometimes. He did not eat breakfast our first day in the Twin Cities because he was afraid of his food bowl. Oh, um, poor baby. He, he almost didn't eat dinner, but we fed it out of his hand out of our hands to him. And then by bre- by breakfast, I'm like, I refuse to feed you out of my hands. Learn to eat out of the bowl or go hungry. <laughs> Deal with it. Hello, and welcome to Did You Do Your Homework, the pop culture podcast connecting academic ideas to popular media. I am one of your co-hosts, Pete Romberg, and I am back from a successful in-person Thanksgiving where, I gotta tell ya, I got to use my brother-in-law's backyard sauna for the first time, and, ugh, truly, truly heaven. Joining me, as always, is my co-host. Uh, Martha Sullivan, I also had an in-person Thanksgiving, although mine did not include a backyard sauna, and now I'm a little bummed about it. You know what you gotta do? either get someone you know or do it yourself build a backyard sauna yeah we'll see yeah (laughs) Uh, well today we are talking about sort of two different directions we're talking about anime adaptations of live action things and live action adaptations of anime things uh it's going to be a wild sort of throw it all over the place kind of discussion but there's an increasing theme in especially netflix to do live action adaptations of anime and also throughout you know throughout the past 20 30 years there have been anime adaptations or you know versions of various live action movies so we're going to be going all over the place on this discussion but first it's only fair that we share with you what is stuck in our heads this week that's whatever piece of pop culture that we want to be talking about so martha what is stuck in your head this week Um, So this past couple weeks has been tricky because my mind has been occupied by many things that are not pop culture related, which Mm -hmm. is a wild thing for me to be saying. Once in a lifetime. (laughs) Um, But also, there's a new Pokemon game out. There is? There is. It Mm. is the um, reimagining, re redone version of um the diamond and pearl generation oh i never played diamond and pearl okay um is that the one after ruby and crystal ruby sapphire and crystal yes uh yeah yeah sorry i played crystal so i'm like yeah crystal right (laughs) (laughs) yes so this is um Sinnoh region um the starters are piplup um Chimchar and Turtwig. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's fun. I am I mean I'm a ride or die for Pokemon, so any any time there's a new game, I'm gonna be in for it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's what I've been doing. That and the Animal Crossing update have been my kind of pop culture is is uh exposure is the pokemon on switch or is that do they still have a ds or something out or is it just all switch no it's all on switch it's okay. all on switch cool yeah. cool cool um yeah i should probably boot up my animal crossing again i haven't opened the update it. the update rips there okay. is so much stuff to do all right um it's also the last free update that they're going to be doing uh, which is fine i yeah, mean i mean two solid years of yeah well, uh, almost one and years. a half. Yeah, we're, we're, we're rapidly but, uh, approaching two years. 
But also the $25 um, Happy Home Paradise DLC, also super good. All right. Uh, well, the first thing I'm going to have to do is kill all the uh, roaches in my house, I am sure, and be like, what was I doing on this island? Why are all these, there are all these like half completed like construction projects happening? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> Maybe I should just start an island from scratch? No, never. Don't I have too much money. It. I have too much gonna money. I was going to say, just clean up all your stuff and like terraform it to be new. Like, yeah, don't... right. Exactly. Every time somebody online is like, I'm going to start my island from scratch, I'm like, why? I've, I've, I've started my starting Valley Farm from scratch like twice now. Oh, but I like... have like, oh, I have like four different save games on Stardew Valley. <laughs> I got so excited learning about the next game that Concerned Ape is making uh, that I, I bought it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm also excited in... for that game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's stuck in your head? Uh, well, uh, I, I saw a wonderful tweet about how um, what is stuck in my head is Peter Jackson's other nine hour epic about a bunch of uh, shaggy haired people going on an impossible quest. Uh, that's right. I'm into the Beatles colon get back uh, Peter Jackson's nine hour three part documentary about the making of the Let It Be album uh, and famously the the rooftop uh, live concert that culminated in the creation of that album. Um, I'm a little bummed you did not pause long enough for me to make a beautiful creatures joke in there. But, <laughs> oh, dang. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> consider it made right here. Um, I don't know. I've always been a hardcore Beatles fan. I blame it on my upbringing. Uh, my mom is a huge Beatles fan. Um, I don't realize how much of a Beatles fan I am until I start just casually dropping deep Beatles cut lore and, uh, Marin or whomever else I'm talking to is just like, why do you think anyone else knows that? Uh, and I'm over here like, wait, that's not common knowledge. Um, so I'm really enjoying Get Back. I think, I mean, it's... It's way too long. It's way too shaggy. Of course it is. Peter Jackson needed to (laughs) cut it down quite a bit. Um, But also, maybe that's on purpose. Maybe we're supposed to be, like, getting into the headspace of these people who are just, like, exhausted by being around each other and, like, sitting around and waiting and and having circular conversations and, you know, being frustrated and and all the rest. Uh, But it's a great and, and crazy sort of insight into... You know, this band as they're going through their rocky end stage and also like the creative process of some like straight up geniuses. Like we get to watch Paul noodle through creating Get Back in real time. And that's like kind of awesome. Um, There's a bit where like John and Yoko are talking to the the director of the documentary slash TV show that they're thinking of making, which ends up not happening um, about like some set designs or possible ways to present it. And in the background, you just hear Paul on the piano like noodling around on what will become let it be and like it's just the piano riff of let it be as he's like trying to play some like come up with some words and it's like ah that's insane that in the background of this discussion is this song like slowly coming together uh yeah i'm i'm happy for you i i'm i was wondering is this a thing that you had any interest in or are you just like beatles are fine don't need to watch it i if it was like hour long episodes, then I might think about it, but mm-hmm. it's too much of a time investment for something that I don't have a whole lot of investment in. That's totally um, fair. Like the Beatles are fine. I recognize their importance in the world of rock and roll, but I Yeah, you you don't have the same like visceral 
like the creation of let it be is not something that i'm like yes i'm interested in that <laughs> sure that's totally fair um i i will say it is the kind of like documentary where you can turn it off at any point um i heard someone refer to it as like a vibes documentary not a plot <laughs> documentary and i think that's a really it might have been jamel Bowie um to to you know cite uh if that's correct but like I, I really think you can watch it in 40 minute bursts and not lose anything. Um, and yeah, and honestly, I mean, the, the second episode is a slog and almost three hours. And it was like, oh, good. Like, I was getting bored at various points. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Like, PJ, trim the fat here. Let's, let's go. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also just truly think that Peter Jackson needs a better like, editor. He, I think this is true for any creator that gets too big for their like creativity. Like, you, always need an editor yeah i don't care who you are I, like the insane thing is like he's starting with 60 hours of raw footage that he's like immaculately restoring so on the one hand he cut that down quite a bit on the other hand nine hours is too many hours yeah like there's i mean how many hours of footage go making go into making a like two and a half hour documentary mm, like, that's a good point yeah yeah but I'm happy for you <laughs> and the world and Disney plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. For, for everyone involved. Yes. Uh, Good this, job. <laughs> this was the first Disney thing that allowed swearing. And apparently Peter Jackson had to convince Disney to, to not like censor or bleep anything. And he was like, listen, there are a bunch of lovable lads from Liverpool. They're gonna, they're gonna have some salty language. Uh, so yeah, there we go. There has to be a swear word in a Marvel movie. They're Somewhere. all PG thirteen. I mean, Logan's on Disney. Lo Plus. I, I was I was literally thinking Logan. Um, and X Men First Class. Yeah, whichever one Wolverine is in, where he gets their one yeah, F bomb. Yeah, that that's First Class, the uh, immaculately used F bomb. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I, this might be the first like di like, but that was all like Sony, right, or whomever owns or Fox. Okay, um, so this is like the first like Disney, Disney, yeah, property. Yeah, that's fine. I guess my other my other stuck in my head that I forgot about until just this moment, which I guess makes it cheating. But I finally watched <laughs> the first couple episodes of Hawkeye, which is super oh, fun. Yeah, we watched the first episode. It was fun. Yeah. Keep watching yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sad we couldn't recast Jeremy Renner, but I guess that's the world we live in. He's, so he's you know, fine whatever. as Hawkeye. I, I know nothing about any nonsense in his personal life. I was going to so say, I'm but he's gonna... a bad person. I mean, I don't so. disbelieve that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he is a fine, he's a fine Hawkeye. I'm glad that this is becoming the, like, um, Kate Bishop show. Yes. But... I mean, well, yeah, because, like, uh, Haley Steinfeld, I'll just watch her do literally anything at any point. I love her so much. Agreed. Um, shout out to uh, Matt Faction and David Aja, who basically created the run that they are uh, using for this Hawkeye and are not getting any proper credits on the TV show. So that's super cool. Two things about that. Did I mispronounce One, David's last name? No, just okay. Matt Fraction is getting a consulting credit in oh. the like he's he's listed as a um, like consulting. Mm -hmm. David Asia is the one that is not getting like um, any credit, even though he basically credit. invented the uh, title sequence did, that they're using. He, he did get paid for it, though. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Disney credit your artists. Yeah. Um, Everyone else. Yeah, Matt go, Fraction. Go read that. Matt Fraction at least has a like writing credit on okay. it. Okay. So cool, cool, yeah. cool. I guess he probably invented Pizza the Dog. So when 
pizza shows there's up. A, you got to. Um, there's a whole issue of that I comic know. that is from the perspective of Pizza Dog. I'm so glad you said that because I have said that to everyone who's talked about Hawkeye so far. They're like, what's up with the dog? I'm like, well, there's a whole issue of the comic from his perspective. Correct. <laughs> um, and I'm realizing it's going to be very hard to watch any of the rest of that show once Pizza shows up because Ozzy will lose his mind. It's uh, okay. He doesn't bark a whole lot. Yeah, Ozzy barks a whole lot, so... <laughs> at other dogs on the tv screen so uh yeah i see all right well uh that seems like a pretty good point to end this <laughs> rambly aside tangent conversation when we get back we're going to be talking about anime adaptations and adaptations of anime so stick around And we are back. So for this episode, we're going to be looking at two different directions of adapting things either into or from anime. We're going to be looking at Star Wars Visions, the Disney Plus um, TV series, I guess, a collection of short animes that dropped uh, this past year, 2021, from a variety of anime studios, uh, which are all doing various Star Wars things. They had sort of a bunch of blank checks. Uh, and we're also going to be looking at the live-action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop from Netflix, which just dropped. So, big old blanket spoiler warning, we're going to be talking about Cowboy Bebop, both anime and new Netflix show. We're going to be talking about Star Wars and Star Wars Visions. Uh, we're also possibly going to talk about What If, so if we do start talking about What If, um, uh, that is Marvel's What If, uh, that also dropped on Disney Plus this past year. Uh, if we do start talking about that... Here's your spoiler warning in advance for if that ends up showing up in the conversation. And with all that throat clearing aside, it's time to go directly into our first homework assignment, which is Star Wars Visions. Uh, Star Wars Visions is an anime anthology series created, uh, as I said earlier, by Disney Plus and produced by Lucasfilm Animation. Uh, each episode is created by a different uh, Japanese anime studio and is totally different in look, appearance, theme, personality. They're all like non-canon i think uh like yeah they're all outside of canon uh and they're all just telling whatever stories so we have uh the first one is a total kurosawa um sort of seven samurai situation with a ronin uh fighting off a bunch of um bandits who are led by an evil jedi you have cool kurosawa style lightsaber fights in other words everything anyone ever wanted from star wars uh then you have like a weird fun astro boy riff with like a droid called toby uh, and then you have, like, a um, uh, uh, hidden fortress kind of riff in Akakiri. Uh, you have some twins, a, a new twist on Force Twins in an episode called The Twins. They're all over the place in terms of look, in terms of tone, uh, in terms of, of plot, and even just, like, what the Star Wars universe might be. Uh, the, the one I mentioned, like, the Kurosawa-looking one is, like, basically just feudal Japan with some blinking lights and some lightsabers, whereas some of the other ones are, like, directly related to, like, stuff you've seen in the prequel movies. Uh, Tatooine Rhapsody has, like, a band playing for Jabba the Hutt. Uh, so it's, it's all across the board in terms of references audiences might know versus stuff that's being totally created from whole cloth. Um... 
It's also all based on a little movie series called Star Wars, which you've probably heard of. Uh, Martha, what did you think about this? Uh, you you watched the first couple episodes. I did. I watched about the first. I watched like the first half of the season. Um, I thought they were fine. So what I was looking for, I have never been a huge like deep in the weeds Star Wars person. Like mm-hmm. it's just not my. I I respect it. It is just has never been like my epic. You'll go, so you'll you'll watch Star uh, Wars movies and be like that was fun, and then yeah, like move the on. first Star Wars movie that I cared about was The Force Awakens. I think that I've said that before mm-hmm. on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I am always looking for, and I truly loved Baby the Mandalorian until it started to get too like canon-y. reference yeah because yeah, yeah. what i am always looking for is something that is not requiring me to do homework mm-hmm. i like to watch things that are fairly self-contained i don't want to have to go on wikipedia to understand this thing that has just happened um I, I want to be able to watch something and understand what's going on and not have to worry about having done the right homework. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars is bad about that. Yeah. Like, they just are. And the fans are bad about that. It is it is a, a Ouroboros of the fans right. and, then, and becomes, then what is produced. And yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes this whole thing where the filmmakers are trying to appease the fans. And I'm like, but I don't care about them and so that is a definite benefit to the visions because i would say that the episodes that i watched did not lean heavily at all on like prior knowledge of the star wars universe like did it help that i knew who jabba was probably could i have watched that episode totally devoid of prior knowledge yes i could Mm -hmm. have Mm mm-hmm um, the problem was that the, it, it became a twofold problem because on the one hand, I was really glad that the episodes were so short because it meant that I didn't have a huge commitment to watching a bunch of them. We were talking but off the, air that the first episode was like 13 minutes long, which is truly perfect. <laughs> yeah. However, that meant that I never had time to get attached to any of these characters. Mm, mm-hmm. So like... I would get to the end of an episode and just be like, that was a fun story. And then I forgot everything that happened instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it, that it becomes kind of a double edged sword because on the one hand, it's not asking me for prior knowledge, but on the other hand, there's no room in the episode for you to develop really like strong emotional attachments to anything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that a show that does this better is the what if show the the marvel Marvel's what if yeah yes so the deal with what if is that they are animated episodes based on like what if questions of the mcu so on the one hand you are sort of rewarded like if you know how it plays out in um the mcu canon like to say what if peggy got the super soldier serum instead of steve means something more to you if you watch like if you know who captain america is on the other hand, <laughs> the the Marvel characters, I think, have an easier time of it because they are um, sort of endemic now to our popular culture. Like, I, I still don't think you need to have watched all of the MCU movies to enjoy the What If episodes. 
because at this point everybody knows who Captain America is anyway. So um, does this make sense? It it does, but I might disagree with you. Um, sure. And I guess my my vector of disagreement is uh, what I'm go- about to say is going to be a little bit trite. Uh, Marvel has always been about strong characters, right? Like it's it's about the per like going what what set them apart from dc was that like dc heroes are like mythic gods and marvel heroes have like pathos and you know emotions and 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 sit like soap opera drama right so their their grounding is in their characters so what if doesn't work if you don't have a strong sense of who peggy is and who steve is and to get that you have to watch at least captain america the first avenger right like and and then there's there's payoff if you've seen the rest whatever with with these Star Wars visions, none of these characters, like, Star Wars, you, you got Luke and Han and Leia, but, like, and after that you start getting, you know, there's the new generation, whatever. Um, But, like, it's so much about the world, which is a different sort of, th- like, visions is all about, like, new characters in sort of that sandbox, not, like, hey, we all love Doctor Strange and we know who Doctor Strange is, but what if... Uh, some other nonsense happened and he became like evil crazy like evil warlock strange um yeah i guess as i i I guess really i'm trying to have my cake and eat it too like i'm i'm saying that i connect better with the marvel stuff because that is a property that i connect better with yeah so i yeah i i don't i don't know that what i was saying actually has like a one-to-one correlation mostly i i do think that some of those segments would have benefited from being like a full half hour just because i did not have time to form any kind of emotional reaction yeah to... i i thought the twins one especially which is about uh, two dark side twins who were created in test tubes by the empire i'm just gonna go with because whatever um had a lot of really cool visuals but had it required a lot of emotional weight which just was not there um because it was a 20 minute episode um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think of the ones I watched, the one that works the best is the very samurai. Yeah, the the, literal, the literal film grain black and white Kurosawa one. Because that one also isn't really asking me to feel one way or another about anything. No, it's it's, it's just like it's pure. Here vibes. is a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, do you want to watch a lightsaber fight like Kurosawa shot it? Heck yes, I do. Oh, do I get to see, like, a Tradition with a, a katana get killed by a lightsaber umbrella? Cool! That's all <laughs> I want in Star Wars! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, I what I, did, what I did really enjoy, I really liked seeing the sheer variety of animation styles. I thought that was really cool. That it, I think they basically just let these people go to town in the star Wars universe and that rules like that they were willing to let anybody just play around in this. Um, I just like, I, I can barely remember the ones that I watched and I watched them like two days ago. (laughs) Sure. Uh, I, I will say, I, I do think that this has a, a built in cheat code, which is that like star Wars is based so endemically in uh like samurai movies in terms of its visuals and in terms of like some of its like pacings like um so the very last episode is called akakiri and uh the the premise of akakiri is very very similar to um kurosawa's film the hidden fortress but also star wars a new hope 
is based on Hidden Fortress. Like, um, see, uh, R2 and 3PO are based on two characters from the Hidden Fortress. Like, literally directly. Um, and so it's a, it, it becomes a bit of an Ouroboros situation. I've gotten to use that word twice now in this episode. Uh, where nice. it's like you have samurai movies influencing Star Wars both of those things influencing anime and now you have anime of Star Wars doing a Kurosawa movie like it's it is a like all the elements are from like they're all coming from like the same sort of primordial sources so it's an easier translation lift when it's like we're we're already vibing on like Star Wars is already vibing on samurai films so it's an easier lift then to go back to anime and use that same sort of samurai film vibe in a different medium, but like keeping the same visual aesthetics, like stormtrooper helmets are just like kabuki, like not kabuki helmets, but um, uh, kabuto helmets, um, and uh, you know, and and all the rest of it. So it's like that 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 syncretism that is Star Wars, I think, allows it to translate into anime more easily than a lot of other things might. Um, and we were talking about Marvel What If, and obviously Marvel comes from comics, so translating that to a, like, to a visual cartoon medium is, like, seriously cheating. <laughs> you know, like, we, we mean, put on, we put on easy, I, we put on easy mode, you know? It's not, it's not but, cheating, it's, it's, it's an easy leap, I should say. And I think that when you are talking about making short stories in a larger world, whatever corners you can cut are going to um they're gonna give you more time so like i never fault i never fault star wars for leaning on those samurai tropes because it's a really good shorthand yes yes and i Um, i think that that works here in a lot of these animes too where it's like listen you know the tropes here's the trope we're running with it and i i think that the that's another place where the animation got really clever because i think the style also informs what kind of story you're watching yes yeah, uh, Tatooine Rhapsody, which was the second episode of the, like, the band playing for Jabba is, like, chibi. And it, I mean, it It really, it looks like an episode of My Hero Academia. Like, that is exactly what style they're ripping off, which I thought was hysterical. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like know anime as deeply our, as like, you do. Three of our 12 listeners just nodded when I said that. <laughs> uh... Well, yeah, and but like as you say, like because that's the animation style, it's like, oh, it's this kind of show. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, should we should we jump into the other direction instead of going live action to anime? Should we go anime to live action? I think we should. Cool. So the impetus for this episode um, is the 2021 Netflix adaptation of a 19 and ni- 1998 anime called Cowboy Bebop. Uh, this ep- this show originally aired in the U.S. from 1998 to 1999. There are 26 episodes. It is about uh, the futuristic misadventures and tragedies of an easygoing bounty hunter named Spike Spiegel and his partners, uh, Jet and Faye, and eventually um, Ed, a precocious hacker, and Ayn, a eerily smart dog a very good boy (laughs) a very good boy um but basically this starts as a kind of episode of the week uh they are tracking down a bounty to make money um and as the show goes on you get to learn more about spikes about all of their backgrounds 
um, and the bad guys who are chasing Spike and the shadows in everybody's past. And it all kind of culminates in a very big uh, dramatic showdown. I should say your, the description you just gave is of the anime. Yes, this is all the 1998 anime. Yeah. So the 2021 Netflix reboot is live action. It stars John Cho as Spike Spiegel, uh, Mustafa Shakir as Jet, Daniela Pineda as Faye Valentine. It has 10 episodes. I have not finished it yet. Um, and it is sort of about everything that I just said, but also it gets into Spike's shadowy uh, past much faster. Um, this show has much less time to waste and introduces us to our big story arc villains uh, much faster. Um, and well, on, it on, does. Well, I mean, Vicious I mean, is in the no, no, first sorry, episode. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it, it, I, I have no complaints about that. Uh, and more of the comment of it has less time to waste. It's only 10 episodes, but they're like 40 to an hour long episodes, like 40 to 50 minute episodes. So we're almost doing double, you know, like think of it as like 20 anime episodes. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So uh, not, um, not, not to derail would, you there. Yeah, I do think it is fair to say that the Netflix series is much less episodic. Yes, um, it is like you. It is clear from the beginning that there are big series arc stories that we're going to be getting into. And it's clear from the beginning what those are. Yes. Um, so we know almost from the outset that Spike is an ex-member of this group called the Syndicate, and he left by faking his own death, and once they find out that he's still alive, they're all going after him. Like, that's established in, like, episode two. Yeah. Um, I, this show has not been getting very what, good reviews. What, what has, uh, but before we even get into the live action, what's your, your take on the anime? Like, have you seen it recently? Do you like it? Oh, I I did not rewatch it for this episode because I've seen it about six times all the way through. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, um, I I rewatched it before the Netflix came out because I had never actually watched it from beginning to end. Like I've I've seen some episodes a dozen times on like you know Adult Swim, and some episodes mm -hmm. I'm like I don't know if I ever saw this one. Uh, but but so I recently rewatched it from from beginning to end and loved it. Was... Loved it. Brilliant. Yeah, obviously. When I was 14, so like 2001, 2002, mm -hmm. um, the full-length feature film mm -hmm. was released. They showed it at the Music Box, and I went to see it in the ah, theater. Nice. Um, yeah. The only sh the on like There are only a handful of anime from my childhood that I could say are more formative for me than uh -huh. Cowboy Bebop. I, I was terrified of rewatching Cowboy Bebop because I was worried it was going to be one of those rose-tinted glasses situations. And boy, am I glad I rewatched uh, the anime because it, it holds up incredibly yeah. well. It rips. Um, all of which is to say, the Netflix show has not been getting good reviews, which is why it will probably surprise you when I say I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. I actually thought it was pretty fun. Um, I'm about halfway through. I'm going to finish watching it. Um, I really am enjoying the, like, 70s-style action movie way that they're filming a lot of it in. Mm -hmm. And in fact, my big criticisms of it have to do with the fact that they keep wanting to remind me that it is based off of yeah. the anime. Yeah. And I, I think it would be a much stronger show if they would stop referencing the anime in the visual style of the show. 
I, like, I, I think it'd be a much stronger show if they <laughs> stopped towing as closely to the anime at all. Like, they should have taken the sandbox world of Cowboy Bebop of, like, we got bounty hunters throughout the solar system. Their names are, are Spike and Jet and Faye. And now we're going to go off in new directions and do new and interesting things. Like, I don't need Vicious to be the series Big Bad. Like, and, well, and I don't even I don't even hate them keeping the skeleton of the original, like having having Spike be like an ex syndicate member, having Jet be a former police officer. Like, yeah, that, that's all good are, with me. These are things that totally clock for me. The issue is when like there are some parts where they hew very closely to the anime and some parts where they don't. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they needed to pick a lane. And I wish it had been the one where they did not feel as beholden to the source material. Because I think it is the strongest when they just kind of let it exist as its own deal. Yeah. Um. Also, the wigs in this movie should be illegal. <laughs> uh, what, you don't like Vicious's? Uh, I mean, like, Vicious, if oh you're, you're going to have him in... He's gonna look like Lucius Malfoy because, like, Vicious is an impossible anime character, um, and well, and, and you can't make him look like a real person. And uh, here's the which thing: is one of like, my complaints about it, like, don't have don't have Vicious in this, and if you do have him in it, don't have him like have all this pathos and backstory and nonsense. Like, I I'm very okay with you taking the skeleton of Bebop and making your own thing with it, but if you're taking this iconic character who is in like I don't know. 20 minutes or you know 10 minutes total of the anime and shows up murders people has no backstory no real backstory other than like was spike's buddy um in the syndicate has no emotions and now you're making him be like a petulant man child it's like everything is a little i don't know my my I, I, I cut you off, so I want to let you, uh, you know, say your piece, but then I'm going to give my very possibly pedantic and annoying analysis of the anime or of, of the live action adaptation. Yeah, the last the last thing I'm going to say is just that I think that it is the strongest when it leaned into sort of a um, like 70s exploitation mm-hmm. style deal. And when it got to it's when like vi- the stuff with Vicious like leans too far into almost parody or like yeah when it tried when it got too slapsticky i was just like okay this doesn't this doesn't work for me also wild choice wild terrible choice <laughs> to have vicious married to julia yep i cannot t- mm. you know what the uh, uh buckle up because it's only the, the vicious julia thing is only gonna get worse as it i hate that going. so much truly like i'm having a lot of fun with it but every time that is on the screen i have to be like i do not see it it's it's gonna get worse uh i'm I'm, I do not see I'm, it. I'm in the penultimate episode uh so yeah. i hate it so much um, i hate it so much speaking of the visual style uh and and this is not my big pedantic take uh speaking of the visual style <laughs> it reminds me a lot of speed racer a movie i know that you love <gasps> i do love it um, just See, that, if it just had that gone... like, like that, like cotton candy, like frantic, hectic. Uh, I, I don't know. Everything about it is oh, giving man. me a lot of visual speed racer vibes. Uh, another Except... another live action adaptation of an anime. If if the Cowboy Bebop show as a whole delivered on the promise of the opening credits, mm-hmm. I would be much more. I would be like super all in, but it sure. doesn't. It does not go that far, and it needed. It pushes the wrong tone, I think. Like, I, if it was all in on that, like, 
taking itself very seriously, but also is made up of all of these fantastic, like, burnt orange 70s, like, olive green, purple yellow color palette, big hair, um, ridiculous kung fu, like... Frantic camera angle, cameras in places that are weird, like... Everything is, like, heightened and visually non-real but in a way that is obviously stylized and not like just badly done. Yeah. And then freaking Vicious shows up with his like samurai L- Lucius sword. Malfoy hair. And yeah, it's like don't put an anime villain in a 70s exploitation like noir thriller. Yeah. <laughs> uh so so my big take on this is um Miles Davis has a famous quote about jazz which is uh it's not the notes you play it's the notes you don't play. And the anime is all about the notes you don't play. It's innuendo. It's, it's, vi- the, the Cowboy Bebop anime is vibes. It's all vibes and it's all laid back vibes and innuendo and implication. And you have to really piece it together, sort of what's going on. And nothing is spelled out. The live action is, they're just playing all of the notes. And it feels like they're not confident in what they're doing, so they need to make sure that you are following along every step of the way, so they will show you something and then tell you what it is an instant later. Um, and there is no innuendo, there is no nuance, it is just, like, it's maximalist, which isn't bad visually, but it is bad storytelling. Um, and And so that's my take. Like, I th- this was drilled into me at some episode. I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but uh, no, you haven't. Um, Spike is is in a, a computer brainwashing machine, whatever. Uh, and there's a a percentage counter that's going up. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's bad if it gets to 100. Okay, cool. We follow along with that. Something happens in in, in Spike's vision that would like based on what was recently said that would imply that like, oh, cool, things are getting better. Then the counter goes down. Cool. We, the audience, know things are probably getting better. But then we have another character be like, oh, the counter's going down. And another character say, yeah, that means things are going better. It's like, right, you have now, you you showed us, but then you had to go and explain it an additional level. And Yes, the, you also told us. <laughs> right, like the anime never, like the anime would just rely on that, like, hey, hope you were paying attention. We showed it to you. We're moving on. Um... And also, it's going to be cool vibes the whole way through. Uh, yeah, this is... Not not say that the show isn't also vibes, it's just different vibes. And again, it's it's playing all the notes instead of just the important ones. Yeah, I agree. Cool. <laughs> I, I, I thought we'd have a little more of an argument on this one, but uh, but I'm glad that we're both sort of like exactly on the same... Uh, on the same yeah, place, it, it both really... with the anime and the live action. It really, it acts like a show that is so desperate to be liked that it can't, it cannot help but nudge you and wink, like nudge you with its elbow and wink at you. Like, hey, get what we're doing? Get what we're doing? Did you see the thing? Do you like me? Um, (laughs) Do you like me? Yes, no. (laughs) Speaking of, there's uh, two episodes later on where um, one, uh, there's there's a box, like a, 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 um, like a lockbox, which has the serial number uh, NCC-1701A, uh, which is the uh, the call sign for the Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, and it's like, it's literally a throwaway, like, visual sight gag that's on screen for two seconds. But it's just one of those, like, I saw it, clocked it immediately, and was like, ugh, fine. Um, 
And then later in a different episode, there were two different Blade Runner references, including straight up quoting like the tears in the rain speech, but in French. Um, and it's like, uh, okay, yeah. You you know who your audience is, you know what your source material is like drawing from, but like, do we have to have like a shoulders over Ryan and the Tannhauser Gate like reference? Really? Uh, yeah. I, I, I think desperate is a good way to, to phrase a lot of I think what rubs me the wrong way about the live action is that it feels either desperate to be liked or just desperate in general. Um, that being said, all three of our leads, uh, uh, John Cho, uh, Mustafa uh, uh, Shakir, and uh, Daniela Pineda, are doing a fantastic job with what they're given. Don't always love what this, they're given, but they're doing a great job with it. This would not work at all if we did not love the leads so much. Yeah, agreed. Like, <laughs> a, a, like... Their material's dodgy. They're doing a great job with it, but the most important thing is that they all understand the assignment. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's... Yes. Yeah, and and that's, like... Yeah, as as you said, would not work if if they weren't working as well as they were. Uh, can I ask you a spoiler question? Yeah. That I would like an answer to? Sure. Does Ed, does Ed truly not show up in this show at all? Um, I have read that Ed shows up at the end of the last episode. Oh, okay. As a, like, that's, as a, like, a weird I'm Radical Edward, cut to credits, you know, kind uh-huh. of situation. Yeah. Don't love that. There, there are, there are references to Radical, like, the hacker Radical Edward in previous, epi- like, in episodes leading up to that, like, oh, the, the hacker Radical Edward gave us a, a clue to go over here, blah, 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 like, Oh, I have not okay. been paying close attention. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think you've ah. got. I don't think you've gotten there yet. Oh, fair enough. Like, I, it's like it shows up in like one or two episodes, and it's dropped, you know, four or five times. Then that's it. All right. So yeah, but I, I do think that the show misses a lot by not, like the the you know, it takes a while for Ed to show up in the anime, but once you get all four of the people on the Bebop at plus Ein. It's really, you know, that's when the show's really cooking with gas. And I think it is missing something to not have sort of that that wild free spirit energy. Although seeing what we do get, I don't know that I would have trusted them to treat Ed's character like not as just a complete joke. I mean, also like Ed's character in the anime is like literally a noodly limbed creature, right? Like, so it's like, I don't think a human could portray that in a way that would vibe well with with what we all want ed to be like right like you can't have someone like bending over backwards hacking on a computer sitting on top of her head (laughs) as her arms are like going (laughs) all over the place (laughs) so here's the thing these so this and star wars visions are not truly a one-to-one because Cowboy Bebop is like a direct adaptation of something animated that they tried to do in live action. Right. They're they're trying to tell the same story, but in live action. I could not find something that went the other way. I could not find a live action, like a straight up animated adaptation of a live action property. And I'm willing to be corrected, but I don't know that that has... I don't know that that hmm. exists. Hmm. Right, because we, we've been noodling around a couple ideas of what to have. The closest I can think of is 
um we had the animated lord of the rings and now we have the live action lord of the rings but i also don't really think that that doesn't count that doesn't count because they're both pulling from the book and they're not pulling from each other right so all of which is to say it is interesting that we are now getting into like creating live action properties out of formerly animated things is like an established mode of storytelling. Like we had the very, very bad live action um, Avatar The Last Airbender several years ago. They're talking about doing another live action adaptation of that. It's like cast, I think, right? Like Netflix is already (laughs) pumping money into it. Yeah. Don't understand it. It's a perfect show. (laughs) Right. Um, Like, like it's cool that you maybe want to see this in live action, but also why? The problem is that you can do things in li- you can do things in animation that are not possible in live action, and when you try to replicate that feeling in live action, it doesn't look good, like or, or even feel good. Like we we've been talking a lot about like vicious. Vicious is a nonsense character in a live action show. Like he doesn't work stylistically live action because he looks like Lucius Malfoy. He doesn't work story wise because you demand your characters to have a little more depth or nuance or backstory or anything. But he works so well in the anime because it's like, oh, yeah, anime bad guy. Got a cormorant on his shoulder. Sure. Why not? Looks cool. Yeah. Who Great. cares? Like got a katana. <laughs> friggin sweet. Um, And like says three lines of dialogue and they're all edgy AF. But like, that's fine. Yeah. Fantastic. That like, but that's all because that's in the language of anime, and it's what we expect from anime. Whereas if if he were to be like, have three lines of dialogue in the live action, one of which is like, "You shall shed tears of scarlet." It's like, ugh, Jesus, why? What? Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> like that just doesn't work. But then you have something like Star Wars, where it's not just animating the original property that we have, it's like, let's tell new stories and let's do that very specifically using different styles of animation. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that what that, what that kind of translation gets that something like this Cowboy Bebop show does not get is that live action and animation are two different mediums that can accomplish different things. Yeah. And there's no real artistic point to taking something animated and turning it into live action. This is also why I don't like any of the live action Disney movies. They're uh, all bad. I have seen except zero of them and I am living a happy life. The only one that I have enjoyed has been the most recent Jungle Book and that is because they are not trying to do the same thing in that movie that they are mm. in the animated version. So like like, live but, action Beauty are, and the are, Beast? Are, are you telling me that live action Bear Baloo isn't singing about the bear necessities, but is also a actual bear? Actually, I would actually I said actually ten yeah, times. No, I would actually does. I would pay money to see that. <laughs> like well, scrubbing his back, scr- scrubbing his back with a um uh, a bath brush. Uh, yes, correct, and he's voiced by Bill Murray. It rules. What? Yeah, hmm. Hmm. I'm telling you, it's the only one that's worth watching. But like live action Beauty and the Beast, bad. Live action Aladdin bad because we've already seen those movies and they were better and more beautiful and Mm -hmm. more dynamic in animation yeah like if disney had taken the opportunity to say i'm going to reinterpret this story in a live action format and i'm going to do different things because you can do different things in live action 
that would have been different, but that's not what they did. And that's not what this show is doing. I, I agree with you 10,000% from an artistic standpoint, but from a pure money-making standpoint, Disney has no incentive to do that because they can just make Aladdin with Will Smith and, pr- and print another check for infinite dollars. Well, it's so frustrating because that is true, but also they have no artistic reason not to because they could do anything. There's no risk. Anything that they make is going to make a bazillion dollars, so why not do something cool? Oh, because the people in charge are terrified of any creative risk whatsoever. Ugh, and so, so and so therefore, when they say live-action Aladdin, they're like, cool, Guy Ritchie, great. Uh, what else? Has to be exactly like the original movie, but worse. All right, sounds good. Yeah, on the flip side, I do think that Netflix was trying to walk a line here with Cowboy Bebop, where I... I don't think they could have just done whatever they wanted, but I wish that they had been more adventurous with I, it. Like I, I will say, at least visually, I thought I thought this was pretty adventurous. Like I again, my my comparison to Speed Racer, Speed Racer was panned uh, for its looks. Uh, nowadays, Which I think it's got more of a revival, a but like at the Speed time, Racer. yeah, Speed like, Racer rips. <laughs> you, I, it did not. I didn't vibe with it as well as a lot of other people I know did, namely you and my brother. Um, but, like, I appreciate it for what it's doing, uh, even if what it's doing is not necessarily for me. Um, and I, I, I appreciate a lot that, that Cowboy Bebop is doing a similar thing of, like, we're going to have a strong, a highly stylized visual aesthetic, and not, not just in terms of, like, the look and the production design, but even, like, the way we're filming this, it's going to be highly stylized. Um... Like that that works for me. Like do do more stuff like that. Just attach it to a better story or a more, you know. The problem is they're they're turning an anime that's all about vibes into like a 10 episode soap opera with like complete character arcs for your good guys and bad guys. Um and that's I don't think that works, right? Like that's it's it's too different. I agree. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about for this episode or is that about it? Ah. Uh that's kind of it yeah i would actually i mean as much as i've been ragging on it i would recommend giving the new cowboy bebop a watch i think there are things in it that are worth watching um and if they do a second season i hope they take the criticism i i hope i mean not that they should take fan criticism to heart because no one should take fan criticism to heart because that way leads to star wars Yes. <laughs> um, that way is but the I dark hope they side. Feel, if, if Netflix gives them a second season, I hope they feel more comfortable taking some bigger risks with just the storytelling. Yeah, like, it, you know, the, the literal, like, bounty of the week setup that a lot of the anime is has a lot of room to play in. Like, they, they call back to a lot of the, the OG bounties, um from the show and that's all well and good but like expand your universe do some wild stuff like you got you know they're not called stargates but like you know whatever whatever the gates are like leading to all the various planets go hang out on venus for a little bit give us that sad episode with like the blind girl uh and like the snowflakes from venus or whatever uh but also if they decide to do new episode new adventures like that would also be cool exactly exactly like go give us a I don't know, krill fisherman on Neptune. Man, t- <laughs> I can on, hear on, you. On Titan. I can, I can hear you. 
trying to both think of and make up a space name. Yes. And, and although I'm like, Ganymede, there's a lot of things already on Ganymede. Europa, also a lot of things on Europa. Yeah. So Titan, there we go. That's a new one. A krill, a krill fisher on Titan. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week then, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Uh, join us in two weeks when we are going to have an episode about anachronistic history. Uh, Martha, buckle up because you have accidentally stepped into my trap. Uh, namely, we get to talk about history. Um, Listen, how- I make you I make you do self-indulgent episodes all the time. Listen, I think you were the one who suggested <laughs> this episode topic. <laughs> it's because I wanted to watch more of the great. Yes. And whenever we can whenever we can do an episode about something that I'm already going to in- be enjoying, then it just saves me time. Huzzah. Um, I'm furious that there aren't enough gifts of um, Peter going huzzah uh, on Giphy and similar apps. Um, so yes, one of our homework assignments is going to be The Great. Uh, we haven't talked about this yet. Season 2 has just dropped. What is our expectation on this homework? Are we just talking about it writ large? Season 1? Season 2? Um, well, we've both watched all of Season 1. This is so, true. But I feel like in terms of plot, um, we don't need our listeners to have watched everything. Cool. Just, you know, enough to get kind of a sense for how are they using history... What kind of story are they using history to tell? Maybe we'll post some articles on background reading about actual Catherine the Great so we can do some compare and contrast. That sounds good to me. Um, I'd also recommend as an extra credit assignment, totally optional, uh, that you watch Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette because uh, it vibes very similarly with the great. Um, it does. And we, and we but didn't pick it. We, yeah, of homework. we didn't pick it for exactly that reason that it vibed too closely to Kath, to the great. Um, yeah, so yeah. Our, our actual second piece of homework is the 2001 cinematic masterpiece, A Knight's Tale, written and directed by Brian Helgeland and starring Heath Ledger, Mark Addy, and Rufus Sewell. And Alan Tudyuk. And, True. Uh, and uh, Paul uh, Bettany. Paul Bettany, yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> yeah, every- and Berenice Bejo and Laura Frazier. Everyone is in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is leaving Netflix as we record this. <laughs> I did not realize that when we picked um, it. So but you can also on. rent it on Amazon Prime. Right. Yeah. So so there we go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, any other podcatcher of your choice. Please like and uh, give us a good rating and review. Uh, tell your friends about us. As always, that is one of your pieces of homework. You gotta spread the good news of our podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook by searching for Did You Do Your Homework? You can email us at show at homeworkpodcast.com. And uh, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram. Let's be real. This is where we interact most often at DYDYH Podcast. Now that's at DYDYH Podcast. Uh, Martha, where can people find you? What else are you plugging? People can find me on all the places at Magical Martha, including uh, my newsletter that I write whenever I feel like it. That is tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. My most recent issue is about all of the horror movies that I watched in October. 
my next episode or my next issue will probably be all of the Christmas movies that I'm watching uh, from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Unless your next ep- uh, issue is all the horror movies you watched in October 2022. <laughs> it's just a horror uh, newsletter uh, at this point. First of all, rude. Dra- dragging you, I apologize. <laughs> You come into my own home. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're watching a bunch of um, of Christmas movies, which you're also tweeting yep. about as you watch them. Correct. I'm watching a, a holiday movie, not necessarily Christmas, but a holiday mm. movie every day from Thanksgiving to uh, Christmas. I have watched five so far, I think. Um, I'm mixing it up, so I'll be watching some classic. I, the only rule is that I can't have seen them before. So things like Elf or Muppet Christmas Carol, I will definitely watch, but they won't count towards this project. Uh, I watched Muppet Christmas Carol for the first time in ages, like last Christmas or two Christmases ago. It's perfect. Friggin' slaps. Perfect film. Yeah, truly. I've already started, like, I listen to the music all the time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I have watched um, White Christmas, which was Mm. very fun. Uh, Surprisingly, like, emotive between like strong male friendships very much enjoyed that mm-hmm. uh, i watched the mara wilson version of miracle on 34th street because i wanted to see david attenborough hmm. uh, which i enjoyed very much is he i have to imagine he's santa yes okay uh and i watched a very strange movie on disney plus called noel starring anna kendrick which is basically elf only not as good uh, and I watched The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is about Charles Dickens and his process of writing a Christmas carol. Hmm. Um, it was fine. I was very distracted by the fact... See, this was, an, this was an anachronistic history movie because I know for a fact that the process of publishing a Christmas carol is not the way it was portrayed in this movie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you know for a fact that The Man Who Invented Christmas wasn't Charles Dickens, but was instead a little guy known as Jesus Christ. Uh, imagine me spinning a chair backwards maybe putting on a backwards hat and popping my clerical collar as i said that uh the clerical collar that i do not have uh but trying to be a a hip youth pastor um no (laughs) (laughs) uh but anyway yeah what what else what else you plug and what else is going on um so i do another show that updates on the same feed along with did you do your homework called love ya where pete's wife marn and i watch um either teen movies or adult rom-coms and dissect them in detail we are of course doing holiday movies because my brand is strong you have um, to tell her that you watched white christmas for the first time because uh, i know that's a movie she enjoys so oh, make, okay. ma- make sure while recording you mention that fact <laughs> sure um, but yeah, our next movie is going to be Unaccompanied Minors, which you can find on Netflix. And our movie last time was Love Hard, the Netflix original starring Nina Dobrev. Mm-hmm. Which has a very bad title. <laughs> <laughs> As you said on air, it's a combination of Love Actually and Die Hard. Two Christmas yeah. movies. And without any further comment, we're going to go into my uh, Twitter connections. Uh, you'll have to listen to that episode of Love You to know why I'm skirting past that statement real quickly. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Pico3000, that's P-I-K-O-3000, where I'm talking politics and pop culture. Uh, and unless you have anything else you want to add, uh, that's gonna do it for us this week. Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks, and until then, class dismissed. 
I know that uh, you and Marin almost didn't, but then actually did a little, but then didn't uh, get into the Is Die Hard a Christmas movie discussion. So it's. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. 